Hello and welcome to 99 from 99, the movie podcast where we take you back to the past and cover 99 films or more from the year 1999. I'm your stubborn Kentuckian host, Michael Denniston, joined every week by madman of the airwaves, Ben Zook. Why take a journey to the past? Well, perhaps like you, we've looked out our window and seen the world grow smaller, colder, and scarier. Not here. So sit back, relax, and come back with us to a time when theaters were full, tickets were affordable, and there were so many good movies, you couldn't possibly catch them all. That's what this podcast is here to do. So we hope you take the entire trip with us, 99 episodes on the films from 1999. you to hit me as hard as you can i'm scared to close my eyes i see dead people i believe you have my papler now that i've met you would you object to never seeing me again this is not just a couch it's just our couch take the red pill and i show you how deep the rabbit hole goes leave the light on after bedtime I always thought it'd be better to be a fake somebody, a real nobody. Are we gonna air it? Of course not. There is so much good. And if we're not careful, it can slip away from us. Damn, tell them about the ice cubes in the video you brought home. What? Moana? I think Dan is trying to change the subject. Alice Goodwin always had her own way of navigating the world. We can stay a little longer. Until her world came apart. Alice Goodwin, have a warrant for your arrest. Howard! I'm in trouble, Howard. Read the piece of paper. Oh, someone please explain. She's in jail. All I need is the uh, bail money. What did you say they think she did? The arrest comes on the heels of... That's mommy! A school nurse is in a position of trust. I know. No, you don't know. <laughs> Communities become outraged when that trust is violated. What are people saying? That I'm some vicious woman? We have to talk about how we're going to get you out of here. You think I'm innocent, don't you? This is Alice we're talking about. From the acclaimed best-selling novel, Sigourney Weaver, Julianne Moore, David Strathairn, in a Kennedy Marshall production. What was it like? It was like being in a large litter of hamsters. In a small metal cage. You mean you have one of those wheels to run on? (laughs) A journey to discover the meaning of friendship, the strength of family, and the power of forgiveness. A map of the world. Yes, pick your poison, Ben. Well, I think we got to start with a map of the world. For obvious reasons, because I think if we start with the other one, we'll never be able to recover. So, uh, a map of the world... This is a kind of, you know, forgotten little movie, little American independent movie from, you know, 1999. Um, <laughs> so far, so good. Uh, Sigourney Weaver and uh, Julianne Moore and David Sothern. I, I don't know how much, you know, I didn't know anything about it. So I was kind of surprised how, uh, how many twists there are and everything that I didn't really see coming right off the bat because I hadn't seen a trailer or really read a summary or anything for it. But I mean, let's suffice it to say Sigourney Weaver plays this kind of, um, you know, person leading a, a quiet life of desperation in this small town. And she's a school nurse. And, 
you know, a, uh, a bunch of unfortunate circumstances befall her and she, she's, you know, her life is upended. She can't really rely on her friend Julianne Moore anymore because, because of, uh, of other reasons. And it all just seems to kind of come spiraling down in an interesting way. I went back and I rewatched a HBO uh, movie from 1995, I believe, called The McMartin Trial, which uh, has James Woods and um, Shirley Knight uh, and a few other people. And, and it's a similar scenario in that it's uh, about a real case where uh, people, uh, what you, I guess what you would best describe as, as the satanic panic of like the, the, the 80s and 90s of people uh, making up accusations against, uh, uh, you know, teachers and, um, uh, it was a, a good little business for HBO to be in, in the nineties, wasn't it? With, uh, paradise lost. They were, they were, uh, really going back to that, that well, it sounds like was that particular, uh, time period. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I, I like paradise lost the, those three documentaries and, um, yeah. And, and so a map of the world is, is similar you know, in that we've got a, an accusation lobbed at Sigourney Weaver here. And that's sort of, you know, um, yeah, that's sort of the catalyst. Although there's a catalyst before that that we haven't mentioned. What did you yeah, think so of this? What did you think there, of this, There's Jameson? a pretty big catalyst that we're, you know, okay. I'll, I'll give some, some general thoughts before okay, we, uh, okay. we spoil the hell of this. Because we can't really <laughs> talk about it without talking about that initial You're right, incident. you're right, you're right. Uh, but I agree with you. I, I had no idea what this was about. This was pretty much chosen because it's Sigourney Weaver and Julianne Moore. And I just wanted to see it. I'm like, oh, I, I don't know what this is, but I want to see those two actors on screen together. And um, gosh, it's it, it's it's one of those, I don't want to say it's small slice of life because there are you know, some fairly traumatic things that happen to these people here. Uh, but the way the way it's written, uh, the way it's uh, directed, the way it's played by the actors, uh, it it kind of maintains this sense of uh, you know grounded people just trying to work their way through something that's unimaginable. Like you 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 talked about Sigourney Weaver having this quiet life of desperation, um, a character that's almost desperate for something to happen to make her life of interest of interest to her. So it has, you know, seemingly some value and, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, what she, what she wished for, uh, obviously this is not what she, she wanted, but her arc is, is really interesting. Um, but it, I, I guess it's more like the third act stuff that where it kind of, I, I guess when the film actually tries to do, few too many things uh that's when i somewhat turn against it um we have an, an appearance by a well-known uh, celebrity uh you know back in 1999 back in the 80s certainly now uh that seems it seems a little bit uh too humorous now to have her play such an important <laughs> important part in this woman's uh journey but for the most part, I, I guess it's one of the things I'm glad I watched, but um, I would be hard-pressed to <laughs> to force others, other than yourself, Ben, to watch it. It's not like I would run out and be like, you have to check out a map of the world. It's this, 
it's this hidden gem. Um, if that makes sense, it's it's one of those things that I think it was worth watching, but I don't know if it's like a high recommend for me for people to double back to something that they probably have not heard of at this point. Well, you know, I am going to say that. I actually, I mean, I'm not going to say it's like the undiscovered gem <laughs> from the 1990s or whatever, but but in terms 10. of you know, it may be push. It may be pushing ten. In, in terms of 1999, this is a this is a good one that fell through the cracks, and I'm glad I got to got to see it. This is one of the reasons why I was excited when you brought up this podcast was was, and I didn't know it at the time, but like something like this that I really probably would have never gotten around to, and you know, this forced me to, and yeah, I quite liked it. Who are you talking about when you're talking about this big celebrity? Like, I'm looking at the cast list, and I'm like, not... Not not a <laughs> uh, uh, an actor playing a character in the film, but uh, Oprah. Well, I remember uh, her being talked about, but when did she appear? She, you know, has like a... Okay, spo- can we just say spoilers, I guess, at this point? Sure, let's say... So I recommend this. I think people should check it out. This is like, like I bought this on DVD, and I was planning on returning it. But uh, I don't think I will because I, you know, I liked it quite a bit. What do you so. mean you're planning on returning it? I was. I, I mean, you know, <laughs> after we were done with this, after we were done with this. <laughs> you're saying this is no good? This is defective? I'd like a... Um, no, not like returning a... it. I'm not. I'm sorry. I don't mean that. I mean selling it back. Okay. Uh, I thought I was like, you're trying to pull one over on these. People. I go, I, I go to, I go to a, I go to a, a popular Southwest, uh, used, uh, music and movie store called Zia records. Uh, and, and you can buy a movie there and then sell it back to them. Like, okay. if you, you know, if you don't want to keep it. <laughs> I, uh, I will say it's, it's odd. Uh, cause as of this recording, cause I watched this, uh, almost a year ago, last winter, because uh, I went on a, a, a spell where I was like really excited for all the remaining sort of movies we had, and um, you know, obviously that did not uh, last because I didn't quite complete it. There's still some ones I didn't get around to, um, but I remember I think I watched this one on Hoopla, uh, which is like the uh, like a library service. Mm-hmm. If you have a library card, you can and it, they, you find these. Uh, you know, I. I said this wasn't quite you know the gym but you find these movies uh unfortunately i think holy smoke was or is on there still um that you probably wouldn't have the opportunity to if you have a library card you can access it the quality is usually not that great it's usually you know dvd uh, level or probably below but the strange thing is as we record this uh, now uh, the beginning of october 2020 uh, this just got added on uh, the peacock uh, service nbc service oh, hmm. in hd Wow, that's an odd thing, but it was, it made me think, uh, boy, uh, I should probably, you know, uh, watch this again now that I could actually see it in HD. Uh, did I do that before this recording? Absolutely not. Um, of course, because that would be too professional, but we're going to spoil this. So I'm just saying right now before this, and you know what, (laughs) uh, if you're like a completionist, uh, I'll also give you a spoiler alert. I think I can speak for Ben as well. Uh, we were not too favorable to Holy Smoke. So if you're just waiting to hear our thoughts on that and you don't know <laughs> when to skip ahead, we probably didn't care for that one that much. So uh, check out A Map of the World if you're up to date. Uh, it is currently on Peacock and HD, which uh, I don't know how long that'll last, but that's uh, it's it was interesting. So Oprah uh, appears after Sigourney Weaver's uh, character... Um, goes to prison uh for uh, uh, how this starts i mean you uh, <laughs> it's amusing 
only in our reality, Ben, not in the reality of this world, that you uh, kind of skipped over, I guess, the, the catalyst of this this whole thing, where mm-hmm. Julianne Moore's child uh, drowns somewhat in the care of the Sigourney Weaver character uh, through her lack of attention. You know, and I mean, there's a bunch of kids. Um, these are two women, uh, two couples who. Um, you know, they, they, they hang out quite often. They're almost like extended family and their, their children play together and she just loses track of this one and drowns in this pond, uh, on their property. Uh, and that snowballs into, she, um, as you said, she's not really too happy with her job. Uh, and I think she has sort of like a dark, uh, sense of humor, maybe a sort of cynical, uh, nature on Mm -hmm. her life. And, um, she has uh, an issue uh, with an interaction she had with a child uh, at work, and so starts to develop this, you know, kind of small townish reputation that she uh, is somehow predatory when it comes to children, or has has some sort of like sociopathic tendencies. And so she eventually goes to prison, and that's when Oprah comes into the picture through the TV. She is Oprah in this world, and influences her and i i thought for sure you would not go along with this at all ben uh having oprah come in as some sort of uh guiding light for this woman i mean i barely remember any any of this like i remember her being brought up and everything but i do think it was more of a metaphorical kind of kind of discussion of of what that you know of, of what life would mean you know uh, uh, correct. I don't know. I should have gone back and watched some scenes from this, but I didn't get a chance. It's to. on Peacock. <laughs> I should have texted you. It's in HD now, Peacock. But um, so you approach this I mean, from make... like the very opposite approach that I have is that okay. I try to watch them really close to when I'm about to talk about them and, and everything. And, and I can't like like when it comes to like something that I've seen like two two weeks ago or whatever. Uh, like like it's hard for me to remember all the specific details. But I want to go back and I want to discuss the arc that we see here with David Strathern, uh, his character. Mm. He plays Sigourney Weaver's husband. Mm-hmm. You know, when we first see him, he is so lazy and so set in his ways that he's just watching the breakfast uh, get burned on the stove, the mm-hmm. breakfast that Sigourney Weaver is making for him. And, and, you know, and it burns and smoke fills the kitchen. And, you know, it's this big kind of, point that they're making about the state of her life that her life is you know uh is is kind of this sad that that you know the 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 breakfast is burning her husband doesn't even do anything about it uh when the when julianne moore's daughter you know is discovered and when when sigourney weaver first realizes that uh her her julianne moore's daughter has gone you know has gone missing and they can't find her uh david sathern is just shown working on a car He, he doesn't really even look up does uh, move you know. really? No, no. Yeah. Uh, and what an arc we see with him. That's that's very believable. Uh, goes into some interesting areas in the regard in regards to you ask yourself, you know, uh, like as you start to root for that character, but then he also does other things that you know that that you find questionable uh, from an integrity standpoint. And you're kind of reminded, oh yeah, this guy you know, isn't really, uh, the best father in the world, uh, you know, at all. Um, well, he's grasping, right? He's, he's, he's just looking for, uh, some other caretaker really in mm -hmm. some way. Um, and so it gets into a little bit of, you know, kind of, I guess, soap opera or melodrama territory where it's, uh, you know, he's, he's leaning on uh, the Julianne Moore character, uh, leaning on a friend. And then that, you know, brings up some, 
probably misguided uh, romantic uh, feelings in that way. But, and <laughs> I'm going to sound like an ass here, uh, we cannot... It wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> <laughs> we cannot uh, remove uh, all the blame from the Sigourney Weaver character where, you know, she she has her own way of dealing with mm-hmm. the guilt, but it's almost played like an escape from her life, too. You have a relationship with Robbie? Oh, <laughs> what's funny? Kids are usually afraid of the school nurse. Afraid? Yeah, I'm a tall person who carries a needle. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have to go. Oh, just a few questions, please, Mrs. Goodwin. The more we know about Robbie, the better we can assist him. Uh, what sort of trouble is he in now? We're not able to comment, I'm afraid. We wondered if you remember any strange behavioral patterns. <laughs> oh, well, his crazy mother always brings him to school sick. What kind of sickness did he have? Oh, God, I mean, you know, sore throats, ear infections, you know, the common cold, you know, you name it. I, I have to go. Are you okay? Oh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not well. I'm sorry to keep you standing. Why don't we sit? This really won't take much longer. You see, I'm sick, and I really can't. We just have a few more things to ask. You want to know the truth? I am trying to have a complete nervous breakdown and no one will let me do it in peace. What's the matter? Mrs. Goodwin? Mrs. Goodwin? I hurt everybody. When she she goes to prison, it's almost like a vacation from this incredibly depressing existence where all she has to be consumed by is herself and whether that's you know punishing herself she has a sequence where she um like just headbutts a table and like knocks herself out uh when like you know challenged with violence she she meets with violence on herself and it, it is interesting to see their their marriage crumble in the sense that he has the expectation that she's going to fight um you know fight this charge fight this uh, what the town thinks of her and she seems to embrace it. Um, and a lot of that probably is due to some, some trauma uh, of, and that shame and guilt of a child dying, you know, quote on her, her watch. Um, I, I did enjoy that, that stuff quite a bit where he's, he's just flabbergasted that she's not racing to get back to, you know, basically take care of him and to take care of the things that he's, not quite really taking any responsibility uh, for. Um, I, it's it's a good marriage drama in that way, but it's it's interesting that the the participants in that marriage for the most most of the runtime are separated. You know, I mean, yeah. More the more we talk about it, the more I more I'm looking back on it fondly. Uh, particularly the performances, uh, Julianne Moore. This was one hell of a year uh, for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've already seen her in. I mean, it's easy to forget, but we already have seen her give really great performances in, in Cookie's Fortune. Uh, and then we have Magnolia coming up. And, and is there one other I'm forgetting? What else? The End of the Affair. The End of the Affair, which is, yeah, coming. I, I didn't watch that uh, this week, so <laughs> we won't be able to record that's, on that. <laughs> that's one of the ones uh, I did not watch a year ago either. So there you a go. fresh watch. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the more we're talking about it, the more I like it. And uh, this good. is the kind of American independent movie that I miss. It's straightforward. It deals with, you know, fairly normal characters, people who you can easily see yourself in. Um, 
Yeah, this is. I. I this, why, why can't Netflix be full of movies like this? Why can't Amazon Prime be full of movies like this? I don't see. Uh, <sighs> you know why. The, the audience, I mean, granted, this is, this is not exactly a, a moneymaker in 1999, <laughs> but, uh, but I just don't, I, I don't know, with the amount of variety and stuff that, or lack of variety uh, that, you know, that's put out there today, uh, I would think that, you know, streaming would provide more opportunities for stories like this, but instead it's kind of the opposite. Um, and, and so well, I, what, what, what was it about 1999, about the nineties that there, there were certainly a lot of independent movies that were about this same kind of subject matter. And some of them were successful and some of them weren't. I think this is one of the more success, successful ones. You think it isn't. Um, but what is, what is it about that? Uh, why were these able to be made in the nineties and not able to be made at all today? Well, I'm, I mean, Scorning Weaver and Julianne Moore, no one's going to, uh, you know, confuse them with being Tom Cruise or Will Smith at this point, right? But I think, and I'm harking back to like my video store uh, days when I was a teenager. Uh, you know, the just recognizable faces on those, you know, those terrible VHS covers. <laughs> just, just, and actually, if you go to the Wikipedia for Map of the World, pretty much that. It's just the the two heads of Weaver and Moore. Uh, I I remember that used to be good enough. Like there were uh, times when something, you know, I don't have a distinct memory of like a map of the world, for instance, but something like it where someone would be like, oh, Julianne Moore uh, has a new movie. I've not seen this. I'll check it out. And like when you bring up Netflix or even, I guess, Prime, which dabbled in, you know, independent cinema or whatever it is today, uh, it's so uh, high concept and hook heavy like there was you know the, the, the aims i don't i don't know who they're, they're marketed towards there was one that was uh like uh daniel ratcliffe had guns like glued to his hand that came out earlier this year did you hear about this one no that was it that's all i an know ideal, about it is, we're also forgetting an ideal husband uh which she was in as well so. oh well, see you know <laughs> yeah. like that one quite a bit and you did not that was uh i thought that was good fun um but my point is it's like you know that you're talking about and i i did as well like these grounded characters like these are people that in theory you could have come across you could have met someone that had this you know this tragedy yeah befalled them um i don't think any you know you or i have hung out with i hope not someone that you know was once harry potter that wakes up and has guns uh glued to his hands and then hijinks ensue uh it it really like is i guess you know, annoying to to me that uh, that's kind of where like cinephiles go. And I, I'm I'm not saying that back in 1999 cinephiles were championing like a map of the world. I'm sure, especially with this coming out, um, I don't even know when its actual release date was. It you know played at TIFF in September, but uh, it seems I'm sure, to be around December was when it was released. I'm I'm sure you know the 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 film fans the the diehards were probably already had their eyes you know looking ahead to like magnolia magnolia is the one that they were going to champion with the frogs you know falling from the sky and oh uh, well and again Sons. with the spoiler alerts here dennis eh, that's like not a, that's not a spoiler <laughs> that's that was in the marketing pretty heavily um you just don't know when they're gonna fall you know it's the well, we'll have to say that for when we get when we get there we'll you'll be happy to know Deniston, that the book this was based on 
was Oprah's book club selection for uh, December 1999. It uh. So it all comes full circle. <laughs> uh. That's what they were going for. They were just trying to get that that uh, book club uh, selection. But you know, <laughs> as much as I have a distaste for it, um, the, the sort of heavy-handedness of like you know Oprah having uh, this very rich, successful woman, and nothing wrong with that. But you know, people taking their cues uh, from this this basically alien creature that lives on a, a plateau that nobody will ever reach. Um, her audience, it would have been cool if you know if she was trying to get them to watch you know eventually to watch this type of movie. Um, you know, I, I think that my like my stepmom, uh, this would be something she would really like because she's. She's more of a, a reader than she is like a film watcher, and I, I have no knowledge of this novel, but I would think that this, you know, this is a story that you're kind of lamenting doesn't exist now. It probably only exists in book form. I don't even think that this exists in television anymore. I think if they turn this into a miniseries, they would try to make it more of a thriller in some way. They would lean more like, you know, yeah, true crime. Is Sigourney Weaver really a child killer? That sort of thing, and, you know, it just... Would be incredibly distasteful. Um, did you ever? Did you ever get around to watching The Hunt? No. I well, you. I uh, what did I? I texted you and said, "Hey, I bought this because it was on sale on iTunes." <laughs> and then you just uh, all you did was chide me for not having you know watched it uh, previously on when you've offered it up to me on your uh, Plex server. But I have not. Um, but I. I feel like now you're giving me a clue as far as maybe what the the setup is. But I well, still yeah, I'm sorry. I guess I shouldn't have done that. But, but they, that. they're similar. They're similar in that. In I mean, you know, I guess okay. Summer of Sam would be another one that you could compare it to, and that's okay. in, you know 1999 about like the idea of you know the crowd and the public, you know, and vigilante justice and everything. And once they, you know, get around to to seeing you know, seeing someone at, you, you know as a, as in this case. Uh, a child predator or whatever it doesn't really matter what what other sort of evidence or whatever uh comes out and that that was really largely what what the mcmartin uh hbo movie was about um so yeah i, I don't know i responded to this material uh you know so yeah it's one it's one i highly recommend for people to check out and uh did you recognize the guy who played the lawyer mm, no so he's so. in a movie in in the mid 90s that I guarantee that you saw as a child, and he plays a villain in in, in that movie. Two years prior to this, <laughs> to make it easy. <laughs> that doesn't necessarily make it easy. Who else is in the movie? Lots of, oh, Julianne Moore. Julianne Moore is in it. In 1997. Oh, see, um, is this the Lost World? Yeah. So he okay. plays the, uh, um, whoever, John Hammond's, nephew or whatever who who's taking over the company and going to destroy it and i don't know do something with all the dinosaurs <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much what they're always doing in those movies they're gonna but do something with the I, d- I just never seen him in another movie besides that and so it was kind of it, it that was another thing that i found interesting about about this it's just it's all gone the love is the love is gone it's all gone you're doing well Ruth. that's the girl Nobody likes me. Hey, that's not true. You don't like me. Yes, I do. Kiss me. No, Ruth, I can't do that. I'm scared. I know you are, but kissing won't change that.
So how does Holy Smoke begin, Deniston? What, what, um, what, what's the opening image? <laughs> for me, it's uh, Kate Winslet urinating in front of uh, Harvey Keitel. That's not the opening image, but that's honestly the only thing I knew about this movie. Um, oh, so you I, knew that going in? I knew it. Um, I think I got it mixed up with... There was another Kate Winslet movie, I think, where she's like traveling internationally, but I don't think she's... Um, as antagonistic, and I'm the, forgetting what that. There's one movie called is. Smoke, right? No, Isn't that's, she that's in that? a Harvey or is that Keitel. Harvey Keitel? Now Harvey Keitel's yeah. in a movie called Smoke, yeah. and I would always get those movies confused. But that's actually um, about like a cigar shop, isn't it? Like, I mean, I, th- I thought it was. I've never was seen it. I've never seen it. Uh, okay. But what else is Kate Winslet in here? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I am trying to go to her 1997 through 2003 period, and I bet you it's not mentioned on... Uh... Oh, Hideous Kinky. Oh, okay. I haven't seen that either. Yeah. Uh, an English mother who moves from London to Morocco with her two young daughters in the early 70s. So, yeah, I knew there was uh, some some peeing. In... <laughs> I had a 50-50 chance uh, between that one and this one. And boy, am I happy, I guess, that I got it in uh, Holy Smoke. And, um, I, I mean, I didn't know anything else about this. I think you kind of quickly gather, I think, whether you're going to be into this or not. Would you say that, Ben? We actually watched this one together. Is this the only film from 1999 that we've done? Like, I the, guess uh, so. Parting? I guess so, yeah. And boy, did we pick a good one. <laughs> well, it, it actually made it a much more pleasurable experience, I thought. Because uh, I probably would not have sat, I've gotten all the way through this in one sitting um, if it because you knew that. somewhere across uh, the country, yeah, I was, was well. I'm not you. gonna not gonna give up, and you know we got to do this. Uh, so okay, we should try to summate the plot here. We've got this woman, this Australian woman, Kate Winslet, and she has been indoctrinated into a new age cult in India. What was the name of her god that she this this guy that she was like? Oh, I don't know. I do not remember at all. The guru. Uh, Baba, Baba. Okay, there you go. Oh my, Not very yeah, it just name there. nothing about this seemed to be working in regards to the to the premise. Uh, there, there would be like, you know, points in the movie where I would think, okay, the movie, it's finally going to begin. We've got Harvey Keitel. Mm-hmm. It was a rough, bumpy opening here, establishing all her family members who don't really seem to play into the plot at all. Uh, you, you know, even though we spend, we spend, you know, minutes, oh, we spend, right. what, a good 20 minutes you yeah. know, on these people. They really yeah. do not play into the plot much. Uh, and so then I would think, okay, Harvey Keitel's in here and we're going to, the movie's going to begin. But then no, it would just go off in another, you know, tangent uh, with some weird prostitute or whatever, correct? We have that weird sequence with this uh, prostitute who, who, again, really is not, a she is not a person whose perspective matters to the story yet we get a a whole scene with her that is stylistically very different than the whole rest of the movie um very strange choices here that that campion is making um yeah and then and then there's that one scene that one scene where kaitel uh, so kaitel has been hired to try and get her uh, you know, get her to snap out of the, the cult 
teachings and everything. And there's that one scene where he's really trying to empathize with her and he's telling the story about his life and everything. And I'm like, okay, good. It's an hour in, but it's something. The movie is going to begin. And right after that, that's when we get the urination. And that's when we get the actual holy smoke. We get Kate Winslet urinating with the holy smoke behind her. And it was at that point I thought... You know, this is a new low. This is a new low, uh, you know, for, for movies in 1999. And it's a t- it's a, the, ultimately, this is a tough call between this and Wild Wild West. And so on the one hand, I'm thinking, okay, Wild Wild West, everyone knows it's a bad movie. Every, everyone knew it when it came out. It, it won the Razzie and everything. Uh, you know, are you, sure, are you sort of just like picking the easy way out by saying that Wild Wild West is, is the worst movie? Uh, uh, between these two. And then on the other hand, it's like, well, okay, holy smoke, you know, this idea that a movie, because it's independent and because it's quirky and weird or whatever, that then it can't be as bad as something that was, that, you know, cost $150 million to make. I disagree with that, uh, you know, immensely. I I, I mean, to me, it's like you're insulting uh, cinema if you, think that you know like it's it shouldn't be about what was put into it it should be what you're getting out of it and in the case of holy smoke i mean it got i got absolutely nothing out of it except a few really good giggles um with you and yeah yeah and boy that, this Im- and then we have i mean don't ask me to explain it but this image of harvey Keitel in the dress by the end <laughs> Uh, which I cannot explain in term from from in, in, in perspective of his character arc and all that. I don't I don't know what Campion was going for. She is a very odd uh, oddball filmmaker, and when I look at her movies, it's like okay, uh, I, I still have not seen her early work like Sweetie and An Angel at My Table. I, I've been meaning to for a long time. The Piano and Portrait of a Lady. I mean, I thought they were both good. I really like Bright Star. Uh, but now it like comes to think of it, it's like she hasn't made a movie in like eleven years at this point. That's um, fine. I, <laughs> but I she mean, was, but, you know, this is the but she is the she was the the second like female filmmaker to be nominated for for an Academy Award for director, and uh-huh. one would hope, uh, you know, I don't know. You, you, there, there's some movies in her in her career that 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 are good, they're strong, and then there's just stuff that seems to fall completely flat. I think Holy Smoke is is in that camp. Well, I mean, you really like the map of the world, and poor Scott Elliott, uh, he doesn't have a hyperlink on Wikipedia. Uh, no, this no. This is his only film. He took, he took uh, Sigourney Weaver losing that Golden Globe really, really seriously. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Take my um, talent elsewhere. So I, you know, I kind of uh, talked off mic. Um, I have I only seen one Jane Campion film. I've not because I don't think I've ever seen the uh, piano. Um, maybe I've seen clips of it, but uh, I don't have any memory of seeing now and watching it. Uh, Portrait of a Lady. No, um, <laughs> I did watch in the cut because it was an erotic thriller, um, and it mostly bored me, if I recall correctly. Um, yeah, no, I've, I don't really have any experience. I've got a, no dog in this fight with uh, Jane Campion, but uh, I, you know, I'm not uh, necessarily <laughs> perturbed that she's not <laughs> not uh, producing, you know, film a year, uh, given that the only two I know for sure I've had experience with I didn't really care for. Um, to your, 
you know, your your ranking system where you're saying this might be the new low. I think I still put Wild Wild West below below this. Um but your your point is um you know worth it's worth thinking about. Um I I am I'm like you. I was uh, unlike with the Wild Wild West where I never really was interested where it was going. There were times where this movie kind of fooled me. Um, cause I, I'm fine with a, a, you know, a classic, I guess, two-hander here where you're just going to have a battle of wills between Kaitel and Winslet. And, uh, I don't mind that, uh, she decides to take it in the direction where he's the one that becomes, uh, all consumed with, with her and, and is the one that gets, um, you know, he, he is programmed into, you know, his own sort of personal cult of the Kate Winslet character. Um, I, you know, it's just it's just a a form of uh just being uh, i guess you know a man just being a horn dog uh which they do kind of set up his character as being like some sort of alpha male kind of sleazeball um but you know that's I, I i don't know if it's is this meant to be played as a comedy are we meant to take this seriously like what what do you think the intention is here like when you and I are giggling at it are those laughs that Campion and company would be proud of, or are we just, you know, are we embarrassing ourselves and I guess the film by not reading it the right way? I think it's an absolute mess. I don't think, I don't think she was in control of the movie tonally from one scene to the next. Uh, you know, nothing highlights it more than this, this very decent scene of, of Kaitel, you know, talking about uh, his past. And that seems, you know, like, like you've got a good actor there. You've got two great actors there. And, and they're, they're, they, they would seem to be giving it their, their all, but there's not really much, you know, in the script for them to work with. And I, I wouldn't be able to... T- I don't think the laughs were intentional. Uh, I don't think that this ending uh, where you have no idea why Kate Winslet is doing what she's doing, uh, I don't think any of that ben, was intended. Ben. Harvey Keitel, while wearing the dress, writes "Be kind" on her forehead. That's what she's doing. She's being kind. At the end, <laughs> there's uh, I. You know I. I don't have much to say about it. I guess I think what I like. I have this like weakness, um, believe it or not. Uh, you know, in that when I hear about a movie that has kind of fallen through the cracks and is now really rare and hard to find and blah, blah, blah. Then I tend to think, I tend to build it up in my head and think, well, if I really, if I seek it out, you know, this is going to be uh, the, the gem of 1999 that, that you hoped a map of the world would be. Um, <laughs> and, and then I like finally seeing it. It's like, you know what? Some movies, you know, they deserve to, to stay dead. They just, <laughs> this is one of them. Uh, yeah. Are you ever going to believe uh, Netflix if they, um, I don't know if you've noticed of late, I, I was talking about this on another podcast, uh, these like sort of clickbaity things where Netflix is like, well, here, here's like the top 10 most watched things, which, you know, a watch is what, 30 seconds, two minutes on their service counts as a, as a watch of you. Um, and it's like a couple months ago, it was the, um, the James L. Brooks uh, bomb uh, how do you know with Reese Witherspoon was the n- number one uh, most watched thing on Netflix well hey that. hey I believe it because you know what I like that movie <laughs> I have I kind of have a soft spot for it there's 
there's definitely some awkward uh, attempts to have some like you know classic rom com moments. I'm thinking of like the uh, the quiet dinner date that they share um, mm-hmm. was like it was like a you know they they were trying to have like a like almost like a Jerry Maguire like thing there that people were gonna remember and it just some of it falls pretty, well okay okay flat. it didn't it didn't work you know in regards to what they were going for obviously they spent a hundred million dollars on it they were expecting sure. you know more people to see it but uh, but I I find that to be an enjoyable film I, I find its flaws to be largely forgivable. And, um, yeah, that, that's an, uh, you, you talk about that movie in comparison to Holy Smoke. Well, that's what I was, that's what um, I was about to ask you though. <laughs> so if you believe that for whatever fucking reason, <laughs> how do you know from what 2010, uh, is the n- most watched thing that week or that month on Netflix? Are we going to awaken one day to the news that Holy Smoke <laughs> is the most <laughs> watched thing on Netflix? Like what what is happening like that's i can't imagine netflix has a skin in the game there for that particular property that they did not create and don't own i don't assume they own the rights to in perpetuity but you know it's just strange to me what does get rediscovered um i guess if given the opportunity maybe that speaks to the fact that no one watched how do you know in the first decade of its existence that it's treated as like a new release like finally now but um yeah, I, I just wonder if Holy Smoke, given the right to, you know, if it goes to Peacock, if it's going to bump a map of the world off the <laughs> off the charts there. So in your hypothetical universe where you're picturing how um, Holy Smoke becoming the sudden <laughs> streaming hit uh, or whatever, I'm not even, I don't know, I don't want to even humor that. Uh, but you know what I really like about How Do You Know? That Owen Wilson character, uh, you know, who... <laughs> the baseball player? That's a very precise characterization in that film of the guy who who is so committed to trying trying to be like a good boyfriend and a good date or whatever that every single move he makes is so incredibly it comes off as so incredibly calculated uh and shallow um you know and that's that's unique to that film i don't mm. i don't think there's even any other james l brooks movies that that have that um you know that's you know yeah i i have a lot to say Good, that's good about how do you doesn't know? doesn't look like a baseball player. I'll say that. No, picture no. Sport. Yeah, he's got that divot in his nose, you know, maybe you think like a <laughs> baseball might have hit him in the head. Uh, <laughs> so this has turned into our uh, reappraisal of how do you know? Uh, holy smoke. Just not for us. I, don't think. It, I, think, it, I think we knew that going into it. I think most people would agree with our assessment of it now. I think she probably got off really easily with critics in 1999 because, you know, she was coming off of The Piano, which was one of the most acclaimed movies. of. I know it sounds, it's weird. It's kind of like lost in translation in that regard. It mm. just, like the amount of acclaim that The Piano got, got versus how it is regarded today, you know, is... You're very on point with this because uh, if you go... To the critical response section on Wikipedia, it's nothing but, uh, I don't want to say glowing praise, but it's definitely, um, it's a little cagey, like uh, Ebert said, a little surprising, although not boring. Um, and most people are saying uh, nice things, but it's yeah. sort of like couched mm-hmm. in this like, but, and then, you know, it kind of meanders and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but what? Uh, 45% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Well, for them, I think for the critics, it's like they had held this person up as like the next, you know, messiah of of, of movie making and everything. And so, uh, yeah, they, they, yeah, Jane Campion was their Baba and they followed her, <laughs> you know, 
Uh, Portrait of a Lady is a good movie, but it's a very slow, tough uh, sit. Uh. Just like Bright Star. Bright Star is a tough sit as well. But I can still, you know, we shouldn't, we should be careful because you don't want to, you, you don't want to like like gauge a movie's worth based on whether or not it was easy for you to watch. I mean, you know, mm. that's what that's what the Netflix people do. That's why that's why. How do you know? Is, is <laughs> don't well, turn against how do you it's know? It's so now. easy to watch. I I like it. I enjoy it. I'll watch it. I'm not, I'm not going to say it's one of James L. Brooks' best movies or anything. Uh, but but that's an enjoyable rom com. Um, but we should. What I'm saying is that we should not gauge movies. Uh, their worth based on how uh, easy it was for us to digest. Because, you know, you can miss out on a lot of really great films if you do that. And so Portrait of a Lady and Bright Star, those are both movies that I, you know, definitely had to work uh, to keep up with. But I felt at the end of the day, it was good that I did that. Uh, Holy Smoke is not that, is not, that's not the case with Holy Smoke. Holy Smoke is a mess. Uh, you know, it's. A, I think it's a. You look at look at this poster here with the mm. the the tabloid and holy nah. smoke explanation. Like, what the hell is this movie? That that poster bears no semblance to to what this movie is like at all. <laughs> yeah, they probably should have just sold the uh, the sex and not in the way this poster dev does, which says "sex captive in desert hideaway." Well, um, Nah. It looks like it looks like you're watching uh, a version of I Love Trouble uh, with the Julia Roberts oh, uh, yeah. Nick Nolte. Like, like that's what I'm thinking when I see this this poster, and it's just <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm not trying to like say like critique the movie based on the poster, but it just goes to show you no one had any idea what the, I don't think any of the people involved with this had any idea what what the what the end result uh, they were going for, uh, and it shows it shows. I mean, what are you... How, how do you sell like you know this spiritual awakening uh, this young woman has? Like most people are, I think, already gonna have a distaste for this main character, or they're gonna think she's full of shit, and you're full of shit for like making me <laughs> follow her around for two hours. Like there's a very specific audience there. Uh, I don't think you know I was you know 17 when this came out. I'm increasingly getting into like my senile territory now. You know, I, I've missed that very small window to have much sympathy or interest in uh, a, a young, pretty white girl uh, running amok uh, after a trip to, to India and just wreaking havoc. Um, I don't know. That's it's it's it seems like the movie wants me to really dislike the Harvey Keitel character, and I think the only reason I do is because he falls for this young lady. <laughs> that's, that's why I dislike him. <laughs> that sounds really mean, but there's, I mean, no, fault. no, you're right. You're right. I mean, there's no, there's no one to really care for or root for here. You're not really in, I, I think you could make uh, an audience empathetic towards a protagonist who is searching for herself and looking for, you know, the master, the master, it, 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 very different aims, you know, very different goals there. Um, but you do get a sense that Joaquin Phoenix's character, Freddie Quell, in that movie, he's going after something. He wants desperately to believe in Lancaster Dodd, uh, you know, and and he's yeah, watchable. and his determination, yeah, his determination there is all very interesting and watchable, and you want to see what's going to happen next. Here, it's just, it's all, it, it's such a mess. It's such a mess from the very beginning. <laughs> Should have introduced the uh, the peeing much earlier. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
like we did. That's how, that's how you sell this thing. You're urinate, the urinating in movies thing, that is like, a, you know, that's one of the red flags for me where I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I don't know if I'm going to fall. I mean, if it's done as like, you know, like, like okay, if it's like uh, someone's sick or something, okay, maybe. But like it's this movie and then that movie that you like, the horror movie, um, it follows. Uh, where where they have urination as like you know that's their like scare moment like whoa drip, drip, what is drip, scary drip. <laughs> someone's just pissing in front of you uh, it wasn't scary to Harvey, I mean, Harvey Keitel know. he was turned on Dumb and Dumber is what I was going to Ben I thought that was like that that's where it peaked right I guess so I don't remember the pissing in Dumb and Dumber I remember the pooping yeah I remember the number twos <laughs> I don't remember the number ones that's because it was it was number two in that movie it topped the pissing yeah they saved the best for last that um academy award winning uh i don't think fairly brothers but one of them one of them is now academy award winner so good for them there you go the last, the, probably probably one of the last academy awards that they'll ever <laughs> give out <laughs> i would love that i would <laughs> I, I, in a perfect world green book would have been the final best picture winner and would have been best picture for all time <laughs> well, what did it win 2018 and then what was it after that uh, parasite uh, they're both uh, good uh, movies. I like well, both yeah, those movies. They are, but it, it, it amuses me that we go from uh, <laughs> Moonlight, uh, the Academy are geniuses, to Green Book, uh, fuck the Academy, to Parasite, and it's like, they're geniuses again. Now they get it. <laughs> Same people. Same fucking people. Uh, what's next, Ben? I think we've we've done enough. Enough with the, the piss play. Well, it's a director we, we both really like and, and hold in high esteem, and so... Uh, uh, this is, uh, I believe, the only mockumentary uh, he ever made, which feel feels more similar in tone to like a Christopher Guest uh, type movie. Uh-huh. Um, so, do you know what it is? <laughs> uh, he probably will never be nominated for another Academy <laughs> Award. <laughs> <again>. <laughs> so, this is a sweet and lowdown. Woody Allen. Yep. Okay. There we go. <laughs> I, I guess I'm not. I, I never know what we're supposed to do at the end of, of like. Like, am I supposed to be like, yeah, sweet and lo-? like? I don't want to give away how I felt about it. <laughs> I know. I like that. There we go. <laughs> That's it. And if you'd like to continue the conversation with us, feel free to do so on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at 99from99.